Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is an executive coach and a communication specialist, Mr. Brooks E. Scott. Thank you for joining me. What's up, James? Thanks for having me, man. It's good to, good to meet you, man. You too. It's I'm I'm really honored to do this podcast. Is is um I came across your page. Um I'm always scrolling Instagram, but you had a you had an article about um black teachers. Yeah. And it was in uh Reader's Digest, correct? Yeah, yep. It was did you actually write the piece yourself? I did, yeah. That was an excellent piece. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh it was it was a lot of fun to write it, and uh, you know I'm I'm always kind of thinking about about this stuff and these conversations and different uh, different things come up while I'm working with clients, and and sometimes I'll get into a conversation with a with a company I'm working with and, and spark something, and that's where yeah that's where that came from. Yeah. How long did it take you to write the piece? Uh, usually, I mean that was usually op eds are about. You want to you want to get around uh, around nine hundred words, a uh, thousand at the max. So uh, it probably takes me, it takes me about three days because um, I'll, I'll write it and I'll think on it and I'll kind of go back and edit it. And, and sometimes I come across something, I kind of ask a couple of friends, say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of saying this, what, you know, what, what kind of comes up for you? Just make sure I'm, I'm being clear. But yeah, usually, usually it takes about three days to get that done. Was the, what, did, you, did you write it solely with the purpose of it being in Reader's Digest or... No, so so Reader's Digest uh, 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 approached me and uh, and asked about uh, if I would be willing to, to write something for them. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of how that started. So um, I had I had a couple ideas and I, I went back. I'm here's some things that's on my mind, and they were like, yeah, we 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 like that. So uh, so I got to got to write and put the pen to paper. I'm going to tell you what stood out to me the most. Um, there was a caption. And you said you was having a conversation with a white man and he said it was easier to to do interviews with black did he say blacks i want to make sure i quote it right yeah yeah he said um he said when he's so he's a he's a he's a recruiting manager he said when he's when he's interviewing uh uh high level executives he's he's far less intimidated interviewing executives who are black than he is interviewing executives who are white how did you feel when he said that? Yeah. So I mean, that, that's a that's an interesting. I feel a lot of things. Um, it's an interesting question because the context of this. So I, I teach I teach a course called Managing Unconscious Bias, and I've done this course uh, like a like over over a hundred times. And usually it's groups of about fifty to sixty people at a time. It's a three hour class. So I've trained thousands of people. And one of the things you have to do as a facilitator in those moments, you, you, you have to, there's, there's a bunch of things you got to do, actually. You have to acknowledge the, uh, you got to acknowledge the moment. I mean, I think a, a, a pretty courageous thing for somebody to say in front of their colleagues at work uh, with 50 other colleagues on, on, on the call. And this is all over Zoom. Everyone's got their cameras on when I teach. Uh, I keep, everyone has to keep their cameras on. So um, so I, I think about how do I continue to hold safety for the individuals in the class? How do I continue to hold safety for the class? How do I draw out some things that people are uncomfortable saying? And that's why I do this work is because we can't heal if we don't learn how to talk about it. So. Um, I get very curious 
very curious whenever I hear uh, anything that kind of kind of sparks sparks something like that. Was was you surprised that he said it? Um, I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I was because I, again, I think it's a, I think it's a thing that a lot of people maybe never even were aware that that's how they felt, but that's how they feel. And I think to 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 admit to that in front of in front of your colleagues in a professional environment is, is something I think is is pretty rare for someone to do. So yeah, I was pretty surprised. Yeah, I I was I was shocked, and it made me it made me want to read more. So even though I wasn't in the class with him, I appreciated him being that transparent and honest because, like you said. We we can't we can't have the conversation if people are not going to be honest about it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Now, how did you get into um, diversity training? Uh, so I, I've been I've been I've been executive coach for uh, for about three and a half years now, um, and I used to work uh, I used to work over at Facebook. Um, so I, I did that for a couple of years, and uh, but over there I was in a different capacity. I was in what's called executive protection. So. I ran the team of bodyguards for Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. So I got to travel around the world with them and see some really cool stuff behind the scenes and just watching as the company was, was being built, uh, the different challenges Facebook was dealing with. And while I was there, uh, I met Maxine Williams, who's the chief global diversity officer over at Facebook. And Maxine and I are, are very good friends even to this day. And uh, just a lot of conversations with her and just focusing in on diversity and inclusion. And it's something that's always been on my mind. I was a, a New Jersey State Trooper uh, before that. And uh, when I graduated in 2004, I was the only Black graduate in my, in my entire class. So, you know, diversity inclusion has been something that's been really important to me. And then when I started running teams myself, just really started focusing in on, uh, on those different kinds of tactics to, to to, to bring in more diverse talent and do things on purpose to make sure that everyone learns how to be inclusive too. So that's kind of how I got the, got the start into it. You mentioned you were, you were a New Jersey state trooper. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Yeah. Um, well, I did that for, I did that for 10 years. A lot of my time was spent on, on the protection team for governor Chris Christie. So same thing. I, I got to see a lot of the, the inner workings of the state of New Jersey behind the scenes, uh, being with him in, in, in the car and going in and out of different meetings. Uh, but I, I, I loved being a trooper. And I think it brings an interesting perspective to everything that's happening now. Um, and uh, you know, I do, I do a lot of talks at a, at a bunch of different companies. I do a, a conversations of race and allyship talk. I've done that at, at Facebook, at Instagram, at Universal Standard parachute I've been all over the place and I can bring a, an interesting perspective into uh, into these in these conversations but I, I, I loved my job um, and I didn't leave it because I didn't like it I left it because I, 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 I something else was was calling my heart you know what was it like Lee, because you you mentioned you were in New Jersey but you relocated to California for the job with Facebook what was your feelings knowing you were going to, you know, leave family, leave friends and go all the way across the country to California? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a tough, it was a tough decision, man. Uh, because, 
you know, I, I'd grown up in Jersey and every, everybody, I, I, uh, all my friends and my family were, were all still there, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person, like, I just, I, I just don't believe that, like, listen, I'm, I'm going to fail and I'm going to make mistakes, right? That that's part of life, but I don't believe that there's anything that can happen that I, that I won't be able to recover from. So if I go out there and it blows up in my face and I hate it, or I'm missing my family and my, and my, and my friends, then I'll go back. Um, and I, and I've figured something else out, but I, I'm, I'm the type of person I don't like, I don't like living in, in, in fear of the unknown. I don't like holding on to, to safety and security. I just, I just, I want to, I want to live, you know? So, and sometimes living means things blowing up in your face and when they do, you recover, you fix it, or you change direction. And, uh, and that's what I, that's what I'm about. So <laughs> what was that? I'm from the East Coast as well. We moved west, but I wanted to hear from you. What was that? What was that like? Was it a big culture shock going from the East to the West? Yeah, a, a, a little bit. I mean, I think the biggest thing. I mean, you know how this is because you're out here in California too. Just people on the East Coast are just a lot more direct, right? They can they, they can <laughs> tell you they can tell you what you need to know, and we can move on, and it ain't gonna it ain't gonna hurt, right? But here, a lot of people kind of they like to like they like to dance around things. Um, so that was a big shift. I think another big shift. I think uh, what I've noticed on the West Coast, um, you know, people like listen. If, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it, and that, and that's it. And uh, and and I don't I don't see that sentiment as strong out here on the West Coast as I did back home. You know, you know my you know my favorite thing people say out here. They say, no, yo, we're going out to wherever, we're going out to this restaurant. Hey, you, you're gonna come? Like, yeah, I'm definitely probably gonna be there. <laughs> like, what? Like, what? You're definitely probably gonna be there. What does what does that mean? So, you know, I don't really hear people say that back on back on the East Coast. So uh, definitely, probably people say, I'm definitely gonna think about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me know that you are going to think about it. But listen, if you don't want to come or you don't want to hang, just say it, and I'm cool. I got, I got, I got other things to do too. You know, right. so I, just, I think that was the major, the major shift uh, that I noticed out here. I wanted to go back to the piece um, that you wrote on Reader's and Reader's Digest. Uh -huh. um, we, you talked about the importance of black teachers. Do you remember before we get into it more? Do you remember your first black teacher? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember uh, it was, it was, uh, it was elementary school, and uh, and she was uh, she was she was a gym teacher, and uh, and and I think after after that I started to have there there was some more in my in my middle school there was there was about the same amount in my in my high school, but um, yeah it's 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 a question that, it's a question that I think a lot of people never even thought of before. And that's kind of the, the the purpose of the piece is like, have you have you even noticed that? And listen, there's some there's some black people that never had black school teachers, right? So it's nobody's fault if you haven't had one. But what it is, it, it's written to. So if, if you haven't been aware of not uh, that you haven't had a black school teacher, what else have you not been aware of? What else can you think of in your life where you've been missing, uh, where you've been missing diversity um, in your life? So it, it was kind of written to spark that. Yeah. So I grew up in a predominantly black um, area. So 
when I read the piece, it it was it was kind of weird because I've had so many black teachers. So that's one of the reasons I never thought about it because I've had so many. Mm -hmm. So do you think demographics is a factor? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think demographics is a is is definitely a factor. Um, and you know where 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 you come from, where you grew up. There, there's some people that that read that article. There's some people in in the, in the bias classes that I teach, uh, who who aren't aren't even born here. I teach internationally too, so I do the I do some some programs where you'll have some companies. Some employees are based in Italy and, and France and Japan, so they're joining these calls. So where they are culturally, yeah, there's not that many black people out there out there either. So that definitely plays a plays a role in it. Oh, you said you do some international classes as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some companies. It's a got to change it a little bit if I'm doing like a full international class because some of the like 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 I, I wouldn't do a bias class for a team for an entire team that's based in Japan because some of the examples uh, don't don't translate culturally as well uh, to really drive the points home. So it's better to have like a local facilitator for some areas of the world, but um, there's companies who have people based all over the place and they'll all be on the call together. Yeah. Do they have translators or they just, how does that work? No, no, they, they just, uh, they're, they're, they're just there. I mean, sometimes um, I'll, I'll, depending on, on the group, like I just finished doing some feedback training for, uh, for this company uh, called Algolia. They got 450 employees and I trained the entire company from the CEO to the most junior person in groups of 12 on feedback, how to give feedback, how to receive feedback. And about a third of the company is based in Paris. So um, a lot of, lot of accent to me, I, I got the accent to them, a lot of accents for me. So you just gotta, gotta slow your, I gotta slow my speech down a little bit. Um, when, I, when I teach, I keep a 55 inch TV behind my camera. So while I'm facilitating, I can look at people's facial expressions, body language, all that stuff is really important as an executive coach to be able to read that. So if I can see that somebody's not really uh, grasping something, I'll, I'll go back and, or I'll slow down a little bit. You know, my problem, I get really excited when I, I love this stuff. So sometimes I speed up. So I just got to remind myself to calm down a little bit if I'm, if I'm in front of an international audience. How did you get started with being an executive coach? So I was the I was the VP of safety operations for a cybersecurity company in Emeryville, California. And when I, I, I went I went to that company after the company's name was is, is Tanium. And when Tanium approached me to build the security team, I was kind of I was kind of sick of doing uh, executive protection work. And like I was there for the for the for the WhatsApp deal when when Facebook bought WhatsApp. Oh, okay. Remember, I got we were in Barcelona. I got Mark to the to the meeting, and uh, you know he goes in, and now I'm I'm standing in, in the hallway, uh, and I'm like I want to I want to be inside there, you know. But that wasn't my role, right? That's not my, that wasn't my my job there. So uh, I knew I wanted to do something different. I knew I had something something else in me, but I didn't know what it was. And when I was at Tanium building that team, a lot of other managers and uh, would come up to me asking questions about how to build their team or how to have a difficult conversation with somebody. And uh, 
and and I just kind of fell into it. And the head of HR over at Tanium, her name's Bina, she said, uh, you ever think about becoming a coach, an executive coach? And I was like, I was like, no, what is that is that a real like like Tony Robbins? I'm trying to be no <laughs> Tony Robbins. I'm like, hey. and then she's no, you should look into this. So I, I she pointed out a, a program called uh, the Coactive Training Institute. In, uh, in San Rafael, they got they got they can take courses all over the place, but the headquarters is in, is in San Rafael. So I looked into it. Uh, Tanium agreed to to pay for the training for me, um, and I was going to build out a a coaching program at Tanium. So I took the courses, fell in love with it, and I was like, this this is it. This is what I was born to do. I, I was I was I, I was really good at executive protection. It paid well. I got to travel around the world, see some amazing things I would have never had the chance to see, meet all these powerful and influential leaders all over the place. Um, but it never, it didn't, it didn't feel like me. And, and, and this, uh, this, this feels like me, what I do now. This, I got a question. And I just thought about this because you said you was doing detail with Mark Zuckerberg and most people are familiar with his story, like him starting Facebook, branching out on his own. Because you were around him, would you say he was an inspiration to you as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I take I take inspiration from from everybody who's around me. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was uh, you know he he was uh, he's he, he's a great leader. Um, he's uh, we had we had a really 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 cool relationship you know, spent a lot of time with with people in the protection capacity you're you're around them a lot so i had i have a lot of respect for him um and a lot of respect for 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 the mission and, and absolutely and absolutely an inspiration yeah did you have any fear about going starting a whole new career because you've had success you know, you you were pretty successful with what you were doing. So this was like a career change. I mean, you, it was along the same lines, but it was a career change. Yeah. So did you have any uh, nerves or fear about doing this? Uh, nah, I, I, I did it. You know, it's funny, man. Sometimes people are like, man, you, you, you know, I was a fifth grade teacher before. That was my first job. That's how I started. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and, and people, uh, uh, people, oh, that, that was really brave for you to leave teaching and become a cop. And then oh, that was really brave for you to give up the pension with the state police and a secure job and go to California. Oh, that was really brave. And I'm like, I don't really feel like that was brave. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing what, I'm just doing what I feel. I'm just doing what I, what I feel is going to, is going to fulfill me. And whenever you do Whenever you do what you were meant to do, um, there's there's nothing to be there's nothing to be scared about. Like I don't I don't have any fear of of my company's merging path coaching of of my company not doing well or or things. I just I just don't live like that. I'm like I just I just dive in. You know, it's funny, man. Like I I care about I care about fulfillment. I don't care about happiness. And I'm not saying I don't care about happiness, but happiness is not my driving force because happiness comes and goes. But you can live life fulfilled and still have shitty moments in life and still be fulfilled at the same time. So I, I kind of live my life for fulfillment and live my life in 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 purpose uh, and, and in service of, of of what I was born here to do. Um, and when and if if you can find what you were born here to do. I don't, I, I personally don't think there's anything to be scared of. 
How did you come up with the name Merging Paths? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was it was funny, man. It, it took me that that took me that took me longer to do than than writing that 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 op-ed. <laughs> it took a while because so so the first name was, was my name, Brooks e, Brooks Scott Coaching. I'm like, mm, I don't want it to just be about me. I want it to be focused on 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 something else that people can look to, people can think about. And I don't want, I don't want it, I, that, that shouldn't be me. I, I don't want that to be me. So, um, and then number two, you know, the funny thing for all you business owners out there, think about this when you're thinking of names for your company, you gotta look, you gotta look every angle, how this could, how this could be taken the wrong way. So I'm like, all right, Brooks Scott coaching, uh, BS coaching. Mm, no, nah, ain't gonna work. <laughs> no, nah, ain't gonna work. I can't, can't do that. So I'm like, no, nah, I can't do that. So I'm like, if you're gonna break your business name down to an acronym, is it gonna sound good? And I was like, okay, uh, when I thought emerging path, okay, M- MPC, I like that. MPC, okay, that's that's kind of that kind of that kind of catches. And so the idea behind uh, the name of the company is my core philosophy for coaching. So um, I focus. I'm not a therapist. Um, I focus on the present in therapy. A lot of therapy goes and looks backwards about what happened and trying to understand what happened. I focus on here's here's where you are. Doesn't matter how you got here. What do we need to do about this moment? And then how do we bring this moment and merge it to the other path of where you want to be? So the, the idea is guiding you from the path from where you are to where you want to be. And when you do that, you merge those two paths together. And that's uh, that's where the name Merging Path Coaching came from. Wow, this is great. and it's a great name. That's why I was wondering how did you come up with? Yeah, that? man, better than BS Coaching. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, why? Okay, so I'm going to be completely transparent. Yeah, I'm not really sure the why people need a life coach. Mm-hmm. So I want you to answer that. Why? Why do you think people need life coaches? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I think people need 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 coaching in the same way that I that I think people need therapy. I think there's there's things about all of our lives that we just can't see because we're blinded by our own bias or we're just not aware. It's it's for the same reason why most of the people who I asked that question, have you ever had a black school teacher? They have to pause. I can, I can see them sit back in their chair and I can see the look on their face when they have just realized for the first time that they've never had a black school teacher. So what are the other things in, in our lives that we just can't see because we're just not aware of it? So Having a coach is, uh, if you have a good coach, it's someone who can highlight those things for you, highlight those blind spots for you, um, hold the mirror up to you and show you how you're looking, how you're acting. Hey, you're saying you want to, you're saying you want to do this, but these actions keep showing me something different. What does that mean? Um, and if you can find a coach who will coach in a non-judgmental way, you can, you you're free to explore all of these other things that maybe you would not have explored if you didn't have someone to talk to. Okay. Okay. I like that answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to back up a little bit because you said you taught, you started out as a teacher. Yeah. 
Um, how important, we, we talked about black teachers, you wrote the piece, but everybody didn't get to read it. So I wanted to hear you explain why is it important to have black teachers? Yeah, so uh, it, it goes back to that, that, that first, uh, that comment that, that that gentleman made in my class. And the end of the comment was, <clears throat> I feel bad about this. I don't know what it means. And I want to ask you about it. And what I think it means, and this is my, my, my perspective, I think that if, if you've never had the experience of having a person of color, and we're specifically uh, talking about Black people in this context, if you've never had a Black person as an authority figure, then yeah, you're probably not going to think of that person as being reputable in an authority position now, right? So. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he. I don't know if he. Had, I didn't ask him in front of. The, I didn't ask him at the time if he had one or not. But I think it's important to show. It's for a lot of us as kids. It's your first example, outside of your family, for black people and for white people, for anybody, where someone outside of your family, you're looking at this person as an authority figure, as somebody who holds expertise and knowledge and can build safety. Um, in a classroom, it's 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 our teachers. Our teachers are the first ones in a lot of cases outside of our immediate family who exist as that authority figure. So if you've never seen, if you've never had a black teacher, you've never had a black principal, you've never had a black dentist or a black doctor, and you're you're missing out on the experience of seeing people who don't look like you who have an intense amount of, of experience, expertise, and, and kindness. Um, so I, that's why I think that's important to, to highlight that. The numbers show that, that even though, you know, there's even less black male teachers, and I'm sure you knew that in the profession, did that make it harder for you to leave? Or was just, you knew you, you, knew you had a, a path that you needed to pursue? Yeah, it was it was it was the path because I mean at at the time I I wasn't I mean I was I was also one of two male teachers in the entire school, and I knew what I was doing was important. Um, I think everyone who's who's teaching I mean I, I think I think one of the like the most noble profession in my opinion is to be a teacher, um, and I remember at the time the New Jersey State Police was going through this whole racial profiling. Uh, situation. They're under a, a consent decree. And that really attracted me to wanting to become a New Jersey State Trooper. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a cop. I didn't want to, I could, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to like move, you know, I didn't want to be in DC or California. I, I, I wanted specifically to be a New Jersey State Trooper because of all of the challenges and problems they were having around inclusion and diversity with the public and within the ranks. So I, I chose to go in there exactly for that reason, because I'm the type of person, listen, I don't, if, I, if I see something I don't like, uh, I go in and, and do something about it. Um, so I didn't feel bad leaving teaching because I was still going into public service, continuing. Okay. Okay. You, you know, we this is our first time talking and just from the, the time we've talked, I could tell you a very intelligent man. What, what is your educational background? Yeah, I went to uh, went to went to Rutgers University. Uh, graduated in two thousand two. Had a, a degree of a BA in, in English and a minor in comparative literature. 
Um, and uh, I started out doing some um, educational administration. You know, it's funny, I, I, I found some like backdoor loophole to get into the Rutgers Graduate <laughs> School of Education before I graduated. So I'm taking graduate classes um, and all the students in the class, they were all like teaching for 15 years and established careers. And then everyone's introducing themselves. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I didn't tell them I didn't graduate yet. And the reason why I did it, they were charging me, they're charging me the same, they're charging me undergraduate tuition, even though I was taking graduate level classes and I didn't tell anybody. And then uh, they found out midway through the semester and actually kicked me out of the program. What? Uh, so yeah, yeah, they, they, they caught me, they caught me. Well, I got, I got two, I, I took three classes, two of them didn't find out, one of them did, and then they kicked me out of the, they kicked me out of the grad school. So, uh, so I, I, have a, I have a couple, I got, I got a couple graduate, uh, graduate credits, but, but uh, yeah, that's it. So when you started, when you, when you picked Rutgers, was, was your intention to get an education degree and go into teaching? Uh, at the time, at, at the time, yeah, I, I, I wanted to teach but I didn't know what I wanted to teach. Um, and I was, I, was, I was horrible at math. I was horrible at sciences. I just, I wasn't, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a good test taker, um, but, but I love analyzing and listening to other people and hearing different perspectives. And that led me into, uh, in, into, into English. So yeah, when I, when I started, that was the plan to teach. And, I thought I would teach my entire life and then I left and I thought I'd be a cop my entire life and then I left. I thought I'd be at Facebook, I left. Uh, I knew I wasn't gonna be at Tanium because I, I knew that I was gonna be moving into something different. But yeah, each, each phase of my life, I, I, uh, you start out, uh, you know, you, 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 think, you think you know what you want and you have, you have no idea, man, nobody does, <laughs> nobody does. You, you, think, you think you know how it's gonna go, but it's oftentimes, I mean, life is gonna life is gonna give you exactly what you need, you know. Yeah. How do you? So, do you feel like you could possibly change careers again, or? Uh, I don't know, man. I I love. Uh, I feel like this is the the perfect balance for me, right? I get to. I get to teach, other managers and executives, how to be better leaders, and if I can teach an executive how to be a better leader that can influence the life of the people on their team. And then they can pick up from some of the lessons that their manager had. And it just creates, like, that's my, that's my mission is to, is to do that. Like I, you know, I, I used to want to be, I used to want to be the person in the meeting who, you know, I don't know if you've ever been there like this, where like somebody, they, they say the really witty comment or like the one liner that shuts the whole conversation down or like that really smart and intelligent comment that just like, oh, okay, we understand now. I always wanted to be that guy. And I was never, that was never me. That was never me. And I chased that for most of my life. I wanted to, when I was an executive as a VP, I'm in these large meetings and, and I, 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 would, I would try to do that and it, it didn't ever fit. So what, cha what changed for me was I found that my path was not supposed to be the person in the front. My path was supposed to be the person that asks the right question. Hmm. And it's the questions that change organizations. It's the questions that change relationships. It's the questions that, that, that breathe 
that breathe life into situations where we feel like we're stuck. And I found, I figured out that my mission was to be that person to ask the question and support the people who are the ones out front. So I let go of that fantasy that, man, that I was going to be the person up front. And I love being the person behind the scenes to help influence and, and change, uh, change the world behind the scenes. Do you think it's hard? Do you think it's hard for people to take that back seat because they want to be, because you said yourself, you kind of struggle with it. And now that you're training, have you noticed that that's one of the biggest problems people understanding that they need to take like a, a lesser role, like a back seat? Uh, that, that's yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know. I, 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 I think that, I think there's a lot of people who would be better at asking questions and actually making statements and don't know it yet. So yeah, <laughs> I think there's some other people who, who were like I used to be. Um, and, you know, listen, we, we all, we all can't be, we all can't be out front. And, and I think some people, um, some people seek that, you know, it's, you know, it's funny, you know, you go, you go into a bookstore, you can find thousands of books on motivational speaking. Everyone wants, everyone wants to be a motivational speaker. They're on stage. Everyone wants to learn how to, how to do that. Uh, where's all the books on listening? Uh, where's, <laughs> where's all the books on asking questions? So um, those are the books that I think can change the world. And I don't see many of those. Mm. So, and, and I think we are trained as a culture, as a society, at least here in the States from, from my experience, that being the one on stage is the place to be, unless you are a person who's introverted. And then there, there's this, this kind of like negative, maybe negative is too strong a word, but I'll just say it, negative connotation to being an introvert, that you can't have impact or you can't make a difference if you're introverted. And I think that the introverts and the people who are behind the scenes are having uh, at, at least as much, if not more, impact on organizations. You know, the, the culture carriers for organizations doesn't have to be the head of HR, doesn't have to be the CEO. It can be the intern. It can be the it can be the person who's cleaning your bathrooms at your company. That person can be a culture carrier. And if we look, we start to look at how we interact with each other, how we define our values at companies, and how we show our values at companies. We're going to find a whole other swath of leaders out there that nobody's looking at, um, and 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 my mission is to is to help the 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 motivational speakers on stage, and to help the people who are in the audience listening, and thirdly to help the people behind the scenes that are making it possible for that speaker to be on stage. You said it's a lack of books um, about listening. Would you consider writing one? Oh, I'm 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 already in it now. I'm actually almost almost done. I got I got another another couple chapters to to write and then go into editing. So yeah, I'm 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 in the middle of that right now. Oh wow! Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank any you. any idea when it'll be ready for release? Or are you kind of holding on to that information? No, no, we'll we'll be we'll be ready to go. I'd say, I'd say about six months uh, from now. Uh, we should we should be we should be ready to go. So I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be planning planning for that and. Uh, finalizing the, the title and like like the cover and, and all that all that fun stuff we got to got to figure out and um, uh, so yeah it'll, it'll it'll be yeah six six seven months I'm hoping for okay 
what are some of the characteristics you feel a leader must have? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite ones, the most important one, I think, I wouldn't say it's the most important, but one that's important to me, uh, consistency. Your, your people need to know exactly how you're going to respond um, in any given situation. There's got to be clarity of, of message, of mission, of values, and all that comes in being and being consistent and, and living through those things. You know, um, I've met, I've met, uh, you know, I met a lot of people have been been all over all over the world training and and, and working, and um, I'm I'm totally fine if somebody's an asshole to me. <laughs> and it's like, listen, if that's if that's you, do you listen? I can I can hold my I'm fine. The people I have a problem with are the people who are acting one way to me on Monday and then on Tuesday acting completely different. Or then this situation comes up and I'm like, I don't know how they're gonna take, like I shouldn't have to question how my leader is going to, to respond to something that happens. And if the leader's a bad leader and they respond in a bad way, that's a different story, but I at least wanna know what they're about. So I think the best leaders are, 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 are consistent consistent with your message, with your, with your feeling, with your mission, with your values, live in your value, your company values and everything that you do. Um, consistency is important. Um, empathy is, is super important too. people. Uh, we have to think about how the decisions we make are going to affect the people that are in our charge. And you don't have to make your decisions in a way where everyone's going to agree but you at least need to think of everyone first before you, before you make a decision. So I would say consistency, um, empathy, and then the ability to put yourself to the side. The ego is a dangerous thing. And if you're making decisions to fulfill what feels good for you, um, and not thinking about your, uh, not thinking about your, your people, um, you're, you're, you're doing a disservice to people who are, who are under you. You you work in um, you do executive coach. You have extensive background with diversity training. Um, we see we we've lived in this country for the last four years. Uh, the last few months have been really tumultuous, mm. but now we're moving forward. Where, but where do you, in your own words, think we stand as a country right now? Uh, I think I think we are. I think we're still feeling the pain and the trauma of these last four years. And trauma takes time to, to, to move through. Um, it takes time to even get to the space where you wanna, where you can even talk about it. Um, even, even for me, like the, I, was, I was teaching this class on uh, strategic thinking and prioritization for this tech company in, uh, in the Bay. And it was, uh, the strategic thinking class came out. It was two days after George, George Floyd was killed. And I went to the program directors and I'm like, listen, nobody wants to talk about strategic thinking and prioritization today. So I really suggest that we switch the programming up and let's just process everything that's happening. That's what we did. And as I was doing this talk, I was feeling my own stuff. 
um, trying to hold that space for some other people. There's there's so many things that that people have experienced. Everyone's experienced trauma, and we it's going to take some time to move through that. So um, I'm 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 very hopeful of what this next four years is going to look like. I think there's a there's a there's a hell of a lot of work to do. There's a large amount of people that were okay with a lot of, of the things that happened. So how we get those people to listen is gonna be tough. How we get people who've experienced trauma to come to the table and listen is tough too. But we can't move forward unless we remember how to talk to each other. And that's gonna be really hard to do that when there's a lot of pain and trauma out there right now. Definitely. I want to take this time to thank you for doing this. Um, you know, it's, it's really been an honor talking to you. Like I said, you know, just stumbling upon that piece. It, it was an excellent read and I reached out to you and thankfully you agreed to do it. So it's really been an honor and I truly appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's my, it's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you reached out as well. It's been, been great to, uh, great to talk to you today. Definitely. Can you tell the people how they can follow you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, Brooks E Scott. Uh, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn as well. Brooks E Scott, you can find me there. And my company's name is is Merging Path Coaching, and the website's uh, mer mergingpath.com is a website. So if you have, feel free to reach out if you ever have any 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 questions. I, I'd love to love to help out. Definitely. I want to take this time also to thank everyone for listening to the podcast and your continuous support. I truly appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. And my Facebook name is also conversations with lamp. You can also listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple podcast. Again, thank you, Mr. Brooks E. Scott for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.